So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. What's going on, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're having an amazing day. And I am so grateful to every single one of you who uh, just continue to support our podcast. Um, I I don't actually track the numbers super closely on our podcast, but um, but my manager was telling us that we we just had uh, our best month. November 2022 was the best month we've ever had for this podcast. <clears throat> excuse me. And really that is in large part because of you guys. So thank you. Thank you so much for the support. Um, I do want to mention for those of you who like what we're doing here, maybe you find some value in the podcast, but you would love to get a live experience. Um, I do not do live events. Um, I guess I do maybe one or two, you know, kind of like spur of the moment events per year, just like some client meetups. But the best way for you to get a live experience of what we do and what we provide is actually through our Facebook group, uh, Deep Clean Inner Circle. We do weekly live trainings there, and I also do Q&A. So if maybe uh, maybe we haven't covered something that you want us to cover, or maybe you have a situation that's just unique, where you're like, Sathya, this is great, but um, if you knew a bit more about my situation, you could probably speak into it more directly. Well, the Facebook group is the chance for you to do that. And we do live trainings at the same time every single week. And that would be a place where you could actually get real-time curated feedback or insight from me into your situation. And I would love to help you out that way. Okay, let's let's dive into today's content. We're talking about psychedelics, a very, very important subject, one that just continues to be on the rise in our day and age. And I have to kind of set the stage a little bit. I do want to contextualize this before I kind of dive in and give a little bit more of a... I have a pretty clear answer on on the use of psychedelics personally, um, and what I would recommend to you guys as my listeners that you've you know you've decided to at least trust me to give a little bit of input, and uh, you don't have to take my word for it. I encourage you to do your own research on these things. I think it's very important, but um, but I do have I do have some thoughts uh, that have your best interest in mind, um, and these are these are the the results basically of my own processing. So let, let's get some context. Okay, we have a, we have correctly identified over the last hundred years or so that the first few years of our life are wildly important for our formation and our development. We've also identified that not everything that we are aware of is. Um, let me let me put it this way: everything we're aware of is not a full depiction of what's really taking place. In other words, we have a subconscious and within that subconscious are so many processes and belief systems and memories that if we were to be aware of all of it, it would probably destroy us. However, part of healing from the broken parts of our past is by uncovering elements that were buried subconsciously that have actually been influencing us all along. We are much more influenced by our subconscious than we even know. And so the, this is why trauma and, and the discussions around trauma are becoming quite prevalent in our society. It, it is the amalgamation of these two concepts. The first being that 
what happens in the past actually influences our present, especially the first two to seven years of, of childhood, first two years in particular, but really the first seven years. But secondly, that within our subconscious are things that can be uh, revealed and, and ultimately redeemed if they are processed in a healthy manner. This has given rise to all kinds of different therapies, all kinds of different um, explorations and movements, one of which is psychedelics. And so psychedelics are now be, is now becoming this whole um, branch of, of treatment and of therapy that is allowing people to have really these these what seem to be supernatural experiences where they are tapping into very deep layers of themselves and um and the the goal and the intent behind the psychedelic movement was to to expedite people's ability to heal and to process from parts of the past it was to gain a better understanding of self and it was to rectify the areas of us that maybe are suppressed and hidden beyond our, our conscious level. And even that sort of, um, there, there's a name for it, but there's kind of that, that little in-between layer where it's sort of subconscious, but it's also kind of conscious. Um, the, the idea of psychedelics allows to bypass any of the barriers or filters that stop us from accessing those deeper parts of us so that we can experience very expedited, deep levels of healing. I, I want to start by saying that I commend anybody who is willing to try something new in the name of providing value to society in a way that it is either more effective or more efficient. And I think, I think we can agree that psychedelics have that capacity. They, uh, certainly for one, maybe not for both, but certainly for one, and that, that one being efficiency. Psychedelics are a more efficient way to tap into our subconscious. And, and to, to tackle the parts of us that maybe are wounded, the parts of us that are conflicted, and ultimately the parts of us that need healing and need a resolve. So as far as being expedient goes, psychedelics are proven to do so. Now, they're not 100% proven. Uh, there's been many bad experiences that people have had with psychedelics. Sometimes that's because uh, of dosage. Sometimes that be, that's because they're trying it on their own. You know, they're not guided by a professional. Um, but generally speaking, if they're used effectively and appropriately, they seem to be successful on the expediency and the efficiency part of it. Now, I should have said this as a disclaimer at the beginning. I have not done psychedelics, and you'll find out why uh, very shortly. But um, so I'm not. Ex I'm not saying this from personal experience. This is just in my own research. I have friends that have. I have colleagues. Uh, there's people in my mastermind um, that that have had experiences. And so I've I've done my best to just be a learner and to try to piece together my own kind of stance on all of this. The, the risk, um, I'm going to use a contrast to, to try to convey what I believe to be the risks with psychedelics and why I personally uh, have chosen not to participate and why I will not choose to participate in the use of psychedelics in my own healing journey. When I was growing up, I, I was instructed very clearly, you know, in my family and in my Christian education and, and certainly at church, that drinking was bad. I knew that, that drinking was bad. You, you, you don't do that. You don't get drunk. Um, and, and in my family, it was more or less just avoid alcohol altogether. So I kind of grew up with that mentality. Nobody told me why. And so when I reached high school ages, in grade 9, grade 10, and 11, I was the only friend in my group who didn't drink. And my friends actually respected me for it. They loved me for it. 
But in grade 12, I kind of just thought, you know, this is my last year of high school. I want to enjoy it. And what the heck, I'm going to start drinking. So I began to do that. And what I realized is that when I was when I was drunk, I made decisions I wouldn't ordinarily make because I was no longer in my right mind. I was no longer in my place of consciousness. Um, we had removed layers that often would inhibit me from expressing myself a certain way. Now, let's say uh, this this didn't happen for me, but let's say that when I when I got drunk was the only time that I really felt like I could do the things I always dreamt of doing. It was the only way I could get past the inhibitions. Well, you can start to see how alcoholism would develop in somebody like that because they the feeling of being true to yourself is so invigorating. And if you cannot get it when you are sober, but you can when you're drunk, well, then why wouldn't you be drunk all the time? Wouldn't that just make sense? If that's where we we feel like we can get the truest, most authentic expression of ourselves, then it would make sense to be drunk all the time. Now, we know it doesn't work that way because drunkenness ultimately destroys your body and it destroys your soul. It's it's not sustainable. And so what that tells what that tells us, and this is what I learned from my own experiences when I was you know getting drunk on a regular basis in my younger years, is that is that I was violating the person God made me to be by by doing things I wouldn't normally do in my right mind. The mark of maturity is is the ability to do those things we long to do. Because I guess what I'm referencing is like, I asked out girls when I was drunk. I was funny when I was drunk. I did things that I thought, oh, this is awesome. I get social approval. I feel like I'm advancing in my life. And what I realized is it made me a fraction of the person I really was by doing those things when I wasn't sober. The, the invitation for me was to become a mature, strong, secure person who could actually do these brave things in my right mind with sobriety. This is why drunkenness is a sin because it, it takes you out of your right mind and it, it removes layers that you were actually meant to hurdle with a sober, conscious mind. That's the only way that you can actually attain the, the maturity. It has to be earned. When I started to explore uh, the deeper parts of my past in my recovery journey, um, I think most people go through this. When you're green and you're coming in and you've never delved into any parts of your past, you don't think you have any trauma. Um, for me, I, I remember probably the first, I don't know, four to eight months, it was like, uh, at first there was some resistance, right? Maybe the first couple months, a bit of resistance, but also like curiosity and I knew I needed it. And then eventually the resistance started to kind of diminish and I realized, no, I need this. And I started to really embrace it. And what I found is, you know, kind of, it, it was almost like at the top of my heart, if you can imagine your heart as a container, at the very brim of the container were a collection of memories that 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 suddenly surfaced. Once I gave myself permission to go there, all of a sudden, all these things started to surface and I was processing them left, right and center. And one thing kind of led to another, which led to another. And I'm connecting dots and I'm I'm forgiving people and I'm realizing this is why, oh my gosh, this is why I've always thought this way or this is why I've always struggled with this. And, you know, everything was starting to get really, really clear. And then eventually, I probably, you know, I we'll call it month eight, I, I, if that's approximate. Somewhere along the way, things start to kind of taper off and there weren't tons of new memories that were coming up. Um, but rather, I kind of had this influx and now is processing and healing and reaching another degree of, of maturity. And in this case, you know, I was, I was pursuing um, freedom. And so I was, I was attaining a greater level of freedom. And then probably, you know, maybe we'll call it a year later, 
like I said, the timelines are approximate. All of a sudden, other memories started to surface. And, and these memories were there all along, but I had no awareness of them. And even in my first round, they, they weren't at the brim of the container, if you can imagine that. They were, they were deeper in the container. But they didn't surface right away because there were other memories I needed to work through first. And it was only then that I could actually work through some of the deeper memories. They, they had to surface in their own time. And I believe there's, there's two reasons for this. The first is that God has actually designed the human mind and the human heart, uh, not the physical heart, but kind of the, the metaphorical heart. He has designed it to actually, to actually protect us from experiencing things prematurely. Things that, that are buried within our subconscious. Things, things that, that if we got them all at once, it would overwhelm us. See, it, what I kind of imagine is that first four to eight month block of me processing parts of my past, it was like taking that container, if, it was, if the liquid kind of represented all these subconscious memories and things that I need to process, it, that those first four to eight months were kind of like, like taking, um, taking the container and, and pouring just the first, the, just kind of the, the top, skimming the top and pouring a little bit of it into a pan, a shallow pan, right? And, and in that shallow pan, you can kind of spread it out and you can start to look at it from, from different angles and you can start to see it for what it's really worth. But if I were to dump the whole container in that pan, it would actually be too much. It would cause more harm than good. And I believe these protective mechanisms exist so that we can mature at an appropriate pace and not get overwhelmed by our, our trauma and the parts of our past and everything else. So this was my journey, and I still, it's its much more rare now, but I still have things that come up from time to time, and I go, wow, I've completely forgot about that memory. Why is this coming up now? Well, it's because my heart finally feels ready to go there. We had to get through a bunch of other layers first. So my concern with psychedelics is that they provide for us unearned consciousness. We become aware of things, in my, in my personal opinion, prematurely or preemptively. I believe that the, the true way for lasting long-term maturity, success, and freedom is for us to go at the pace that our heart allows us to. To go at the pace that this is the second component, I didn't mention this, to go at the pace that the Holy Spirit allows us to. And in that process, we are able to actually work through things at, at a, at a you know, reasonable pace, a reasonable rate. And of course, you're still going to have seasons, little, you're going to have little bursts where you really make a lot of progress, and then you're going to have some seasons where you plateau and you're kind of just coasting along. But the point is, we want to go at the pace that the, the conscious, that the heart allows us to. And I believe that psychedelics grossly violate this concept. So I personally do not think you should use psychedelics. I think the much healthier, much better approach is for you to go one day at a time to find the things that are working and to double down on them, not, not seven things, find the one thing that's working, and to allow your heart to dictate the pace at which you work through the things in your subconscious. I, I cannot imagine a, a world. I mean, the, the thing is, like, if we were talking about alcohol, right, just to bring that example back, and let's say somebody was really lacking in confidence, but they were like, you know, I am, I, I really, I struggle to love myself. Uh, there's things I want to say to people. There's things I want to do. 
that I don't feel confident to do when I'm sober. But when I'm drunk, oh man, I do all of those things. And I speak so eloquently and I can connect with people and I can engage with them. And all these brave things I've wanted to do, I, I suddenly feel like I can do them. Well, like following the psychedelic logic, we would say, yeah, well, then you should probably just get drunk a couple times a week and get those things done. That sounds awesome. But we know that's terrible advice, right? And and of course, maybe we reason, well, we know that's bad advice, Cynthia, because alcohol clearly destroys the body. But, you know, the, the research is out there that psychedelics don't. Well, actually, we don't know that for sure. Uh, that's just the honest truth. But secondly, and, and way more importantly, the, the actual reason that, that using alcohol as a tool to express yourself authentically is so dangerous is because there's no maturity in that. There's no strength as a man in, in expressing yourself that way. The, the real strength, the real mark of maturity is when we are able to do those things because we've hurdled the fears, we've hurdled the things that are trying to limit us in our thinking or our belief, or our belief and we've reached a place where in our right and sober mind, we can do brave things. That's the mark of a man. And that's what I want to see each of you become. So for this reason, I do not believe that psychedelics are going to be best practice for you. I do believe in the healing process. I do believe you should work through parts of your past. I do believe there are things buried in your subconscious that you need to address and that you need to uncover. I just believe they need to happen in their right time and in our right minds. So that's everything for today. I hope this helps you guys. I, if you have questions, you're always welcome to email us, podcast at sathiasam.com. Uh, we have a lot more of you listening these days, so we don't publicize that. But every once in a while, I do mention that email. And you have my permission. If you have a question or you want to push back, by all means, reach out, podcast at sathiasam.com. In the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening. And like I said, if you do want more live trainings from me um, on a regular basis, our Facebook group is the place to do that. It's called Deep Clean Inner Circle. There's a link in the show notes. And uh, you do have to fill out a, a quick application. There's three questions. Make sure you complete those. We do not accept blank applications. Um, and then we'll let you in. And then you can uh, tune into our trains once a week. That would be a lot of fun. So that's everything for today, guys. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance and insight in your recovery journey i highly recommend subscribing to unleash the man within thanks for listening i look forward to connecting with you very very soon the information opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast by sathya sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical clinical or any other form of professional advice any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk